The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to You Are Not Alone, How to Rise Above Life's Challenges with best-selling author, speaker, and motivational coach, April Joy Ford. April has faced adversity in her life, such as childhood sexual abuse and becoming a widow and a single parent at 32. Through all of her challenges, she's gone from tragedy to triumph. She'll help you to do the same. Get empowered by taking a holistic approach. Now, here is your host, April Joy Ford. Welcome. I'm April Joy for the voice of You're Not Alone, How to Rise Above Life's Challenges. And hello to all of our fans and listeners globally. Each listener is a life and each life does matter. I know you guys are all seeking answers and solutions to your situations and setbacks. And I'm glad you've tuned in to get some insights on tools and truth to get empowered. Know that you're not alone and that there is hope. I'm here to say that there's golden blessings to be discovered even when life throws you a curveball and you can still experience joy. Our episode today is Tears to Triumph with my guest, Mary Ann Williamson. And before I bring her on, let's quickly review the four steps so you guys can have your blueprint and roadmap to rise above life's challenges and really discover who you're truly meant to be. Again, first, recognize the rubble. Second, respond by creating a recovery plan. This is going to be your blueprint and roadmap. Three, reevaluate your plan. And fourth, rebalance the relationships that bring meaning and value to your life. And also, um, ask yourself the same question. Who do I bring meaning and value? You know, you have to have a mindset and thought process that is positive and progressive with yourself. So if you're ready to have your breakthroughs, make sure you go to myjoyagain.com or text the keyword joy to 38470. So our guest, Marianne Williamson, is an internationally acclaimed author and lecturer. Six of her 10 published books have been New York Times bestsellers. Her books include A Return to Love, A Year of Miracles, A Law of Divine Compensation, An Age of Miracles, A Course in Weight Loss, and just to name a few. Marianne has been a popular guest on television programs such as Oprah, Good Morning America, and Charlie Rose. In her new book, Tears to Triumph, she offers an impassioned spiritual perspective on the epidemic of depression sweeping our society and joins a growing chorus of voices addressing the over-medication of America. Williamson challenges the broad appropriation of deep sadness as a medical issue, claiming that there is a spectrum of normal human suffering that calls for spiritual, not medical, intervention. Tears of Triumph is a clarion call not only to the reader, but also to society to heed the deeper message of our suffering and the suffering of others. Most importantly, it eliminates the path by which spiritual principles deliver us beyond deep sadness and emotional 
Kane. And welcome to the You Are Not Alone show, Marian Williamson. How are you this morning? Oh, I'm great. And thank you so much for having me. Would you like to say hello to all of our global listeners out there? And I'll just name a few uh, regions. Of course, here in the United States, we've got United Kingdom listening to us, Cambodia, France, New Zealand, Spain, Morocco, Egypt, Canada, Romania, New Zealand, Vietnam, India, Germany, Australia. Hello to all of our listeners globally. Well, that's really so fantastic, and it's so extraordinary if you think about it, what technology is allowing us to do in terms of the actual experience of our of our oneness and our global family. So thank you for giving me this opportunity to all of you to speak into that place where we're not about, you know, our separate identities, but the conversation of our of our common our common purposes and our our common needs and our common yearnings. So thank you for this opportunity. Oh, our pleasure and privilege for having you on the show this week. So let's set the stage before we get into your latest book, Tears of Triumph, that we're really not you know, knocking the medical profession here with medication, because I personally also believe in taking a holistic approach to healing. So it's more of bringing awareness to what other modalities are available and not just really rely on one um, avenue. Is that correct? Well, it's a little bit more than that <clears throat> because, uh, I mean, obviously biomedical research is a, a wonderful thing and there are diseases uh, where all of us celebrate um, medicine, obviously. <clears throat> and there are serious, medi- serious mental illnesses such as schizophrenia and um, bipolar where the use of psychotherapeutic drugs is obviously life-saving in many cases. But this is a challenge uh, to the medical uh, profession, and it is a disagreement uh, with the medicalization of human despair. Um, there are times in life that are very difficult. There are times in life that are very sad. <clears throat> you went through a, a heartache. You know, you had a relationship that broke up or a bitter divorce, or you lost your job or you lost your money. Um, mm-hmm. Someone that you love died. These are very painful situations in life, but that most of us at some point or another go through in one way or the other. It is part of the normal spectrum of human suffering. But these situations are not a mental illness. They are not a mood disorder. So medicalizing them, um, absolutely it is. (laughs) It absolutely is challenging that. Because what happens is that, you know, in spirituality there's a term, the dark night of the soul. Mm-hmm, and these mm-hmm. are the normal tribulations of life. <clears throat> and often, I know in my life and in the lives of all of us who, who are really honest with ourselves, sometimes it's been our most painful times in life where we learn the deepest lessons. Um, sometimes the pain has to do with the pain of recognizing where we ourselves made mistakes, we're humiliated. We're, <clears throat> we, we hate ourselves for having made this or that mistake. We didn't take a job seriously enough. We didn't take a relationship seriously enough. We can look back at our own behavior. Sometimes it's our need to forgive people, not just ourselves, but other people who we feel abandoned us or abused us. You can't avoid that pain, however. If you avoid that pain, you avoid that gain. And sometimes mm-hmm. <clears throat> it's in those dark, dark nights of the soul that you really prepare the ground for a new morning. So our societal propensity these days to throw pharmaceuticals uh, at ourselves during times like this, first of all, you're not a victim of a disorder. You know, that right there is a problem because 
you, you, we decide in life whether to be victims or victors. You right. cannot see yourself as a victim and be happy. You cannot hold a resentment or a grudge and fail to forgive someone and be happy. You, you can't <clears throat> be obsessed about something outside yourself and making it happen and be happy. So you said you're in the into, into the integrative approach and holistic paradigm. Well, that's exactly what we're talking about here. Mm-hmm. You can't just trash your body, not take care of nutrition, not take care of diet or exercise, and then just wait to get sick and hope to allopathically suppress or eradicate the symptoms. We now know we have to proactively cultivate health. Well, that's what we're talking about here. You can't just wait and have somebody tell you you're depressed and take medicine. We have to proactively cultivate happiness. And that's what this book is about. Because proactive, you know, our society tells us that to be happy, you, you know, there's this consumer model that we put on, the, on the, the journey to happiness. If you get this, if you get that, <laughs> right. make this happen or make that happen. But Buddha, this is why I talk about Buddha and Moses and Jesus and the great spiritual transformations, <clears throat> transmissions, because Buddha said that, only, that things outside yourself can only bring temporary happiness. So mm-hmm. our society today, our modern civilization is a setup for despair because half your time, is spent grasping and struggling for the things that you've been told would make you happy. Then you get those things outside yourself that the society said would make you happy, and the fairy dust always rubs off. The idol will fall because things outside yourself can't bring ultimate happiness. And so the other half of the time is in despair over the things having, that you thought would make you happy not having made you, bringing you happiness. So we have to rethink. Just like if you have a broken leg, you have to reset those bones And if we have psychic pain, psychic pain carries a message just like physical pain does. And you have to heed the message. You can't just treat the symptom. You have to treat the cause. So we have to reset our thinking. And that is spiritual, emotional, psychological work. That is not something that can just be done by numbing yourself to the pain that you feel. Well, I'd like to echo on the point that you said that people (laughs) try to pursue happiness. You know, to me, I think Obviously, we're spiritual beings having a human experience. Happiness is part of, you know, something that we, like say, cultivate and try to gain, but it's not long lasting and fulfilling and what really matters. Um, I think happiness is mediocre because it lasts you know, as an instant of our emotions. And we all know that our emotions are like roller coasters. One minute we could be uh, facing grief and depression and sadness. And the next thing you know, um, life brings us a blessing and a miracle. And we're, you know, filled with overjoy and and overwhelm of, of gratitude. So I, I just wanted to echo on that point that when people really prioritize and recenter on what really matters in life, there is a difference between happiness and joy. Well, I think, well, those are words, of course, so words are best but symbols. I think the point is that even the happiest life has some sad days, Mm -hmm. you know, until we're enlightened masters. And if you have the musculature for happiness, then you develop the capacity to navigate sad times, to have patience, to know that this too shall pass, to know that it's a dark night, but that the dark night will be 
<clears throat> will be followed by mourning. And when you follow the spiritual dictates of, of forgiveness and an open heart and atonement for your own mistakes and forgiveness of other people's for, the, for theirs, prayer, meditation, then this gives you the emotional musculature to transform sad times back to happiness. So I don't think it's that happiness is mediocre, but I do agree that it's, it, it, this society has taken this cheap yellow smiley face happy happy be happy 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 and as you said that that can't be the goal in every situation the the issue is is yes definitely the goal is happiness but it is the realization that things outside ourselves cannot provide that Mm -hmm. and that in the journey to the happiness that only comes from being the people that we want to be and knowing that there will be some sad times because life isn't always going to be circumstantially what we want, then, then we can hold within a basically happy construct the fact that today I'm sad and I'm going to allow my tears. Mm-hmm. And the fact that I have 45 tears to cry, I, crying 35 is not enough. And then you realize, well, if, if my parent just died, of course I'm sad. I lost my job, of course I'm sad. My relationship broke up, of course I'm sad. This is not a disease, this is not a mood disorder, it's a sad day, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. What do you think is going on with the alarming concern of depression that's sweeping our American society? I mean, besides, like you said, the dark night of the souls, none of us are ever immune to life's challenges. So besides the inflictions that we all have to go through this passage of life, but do you think it goes deeper beyond that? Maybe it's our perceptions and expectations that's leading well, to depression? Well, I think it's definitely that. It's definitely the fact that our society tells you that you'll be happy if you get this or get that, and then you get it, and it didn't bring you what you thought, so that's there. But also, there's a unhappiness, suffering, heartbreak did not just start. But, you know, humanity would not have evolved over thousands of years without the capacity to take a hit. And that's in your, in your body, you have an immune system. The body has a natural mechanism by which it can absorb a lot of injury and a lot of disease. So does the psyche. The psyche has, a, has an immune system, too. The psyche can take a hit. You know, humanity would not have uh, evolved if, you, if people were not able to survive naturally the death of a loved one. If, if, if humanity was not able to survive naturally some of the things that are sad in life and even grow from them. So a lot of this, you know, alarming epidemic of depression, what we should be alarmed about is the epidemic of casual antidepressant use. That is what is alarming. The FDA warns that for people 25 years old and younger, antidepressants increase suicidal ideation. It, mm-hmm. They do not decrease suicidal ideation. That's what we should be alarmed about is the over-medication of America. That's what we should be alarmed about. This is a story we're all fed. There's a there's this, this big story that has robbed, the, the, they've taken the word depression and they've turned it into a medical issue. When in fact, depression, there are times that are depressing, particularly given that our entire society, how could you not be depressed knowing what's happening uh, to our environment? How could you not be depressed knowing what ISIL is doing? Mm-hmm. How could you not be depressed seeing all the different ways that we're in a kind of societal civilization breakdown? It's like canaries in the coal mine. But what's happening is that the owner of the coal mine is saying something's wrong with the canaries. The fact that 
sensitive people are, are in pain today looking at what's going on. This doesn't mean that they're wrong. doesn't mean that they're sick. And the same system that created the problems is now numbing the people who are experiencing and, effect, and, and reflecting them back. This is not a time to be numb. This is the time to recognize all the ways in which our individual suffering is often a reflection of larger collective problems. Like, take for example, you, you have a person who is 24, 25 years old, and they know that they can't afford college. And so they would take these big college loans. And if they take the college loan, and they're, they're doing the calculations, well, I'm going to get out with my degree, but am I going to be able to then get a job that is going to enable me to live my life and also pay back these college loans within 20 right. years? Mm-hmm. Or should I just drop out of school, but then that will limit where I can go professionally? Of course they're depressed. Of course they're depressed by that. Mm-hmm. And part of the issue is to then realize how many millions of others are in that same boat, and we can collectively work on changing that situation so that banks are not able to take advantage of, uh, of this hardship on the part of so many American young people. So once again, if you don't feel that pain, if you're desensitized to the pain, then you're desensitized to the larger issue, and you are less motivated to do to do something, both in terms of your individual despair, what you have to do. I have to forgive people sometimes who are the last people I want to forgive. Because whether it's individual or collective despair, you know, certain things, if, I, if you are seeing yourself as a victim in life, you cannot be happy. Mm-hmm. If you're failing to forgive someone who hurt you and, 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 and remaining in your bitterness, you cannot be happy. If you are seeing the source of your happiness is outside yourself, you cannot be happy. And if we are not as a society working to change those things that are causing so much collective hardship, we cannot be happy. So seeing our pain as the kind of where the problem, no, that's not where the problem lies. The problem lies on some things that are wrong and that we have to make right. If you, if you have a broken leg, you have to reset the leg. And if psychic pain carries a message, just like physical pain does, and we have to reset our thinking. And in many cases, we have to reset our behavior. Now, let's hold that thought while we take our break. And when we come back, I want to talk a little bit more on what you talked about, such as the epidemic use of medications. Um, something came to mind as an example is our um, our foster care system. And I'll, I'll share my stories with that when we come back more with Marion. Do you have adversity or challenges in your life weighing you down? Are you sick and tired of feeling depressed, down, and just plain unhappy? Get yourself out of this rut. Take action. Break through the barriers in your life and gain the confidence that you deserve by downloading the free ebook, You Are Not Alone, at MyJoyAgain.com. This book will help you to create your own blueprint to rise above life's challenges and discover the power inside you. Start smiling again. Enjoy life and feel empowered that you can face anything that is in front of you. Visit myjoyagain.com for the free ebook or text to 38470. The keyword joy. Joy's Gift is a 501c3 nonprofit that empowers women and youth to transition from tragedy to triumph, from loss or sexual abuse. 
Our program emphasizes a foundation of developing true self-mastery of independence. Our services provide a support system and infrastructure of wraparound resources for services focused on mental, emotional, and spiritual healing. Restore someone's hope, love, peace, and help them develop self-mastery of independence by sharing your gifts with Joy's Gift at www.joysgift.org. That's joysgift.org. You are tuned into You Are Not Alone. To reach April Joy Ford or her guest on today's program, you may call into 1-888-346-9141. Again, that's 1-888-346-9141. If you'd rather send April an email, her email address is Ford at joysofyah.com. Now, back to You Are Not Alone, How to Rise Above Life's Challenges. We are back with best-selling author Marianne Williamson talking about her new release today, Tears to Triumph. And just before the break, if you're just now joining us, I encourage you to listen to the replay of this week's episode. She brought up a good point on the not only the epidemic of what we're dealing with here in society in America of depression, but really the use of medication or over-medication. And one of the popular examples I like to have a conversation with is the foster care system. Not all, but some do have what I call the revolving door on medicating a child simply because they are labeled as, quote unquote, at risk youth or young adults. And it's easier to deal with this demographic of kids and really just medicate them. And we could also get. You've got it. It's part of the same problem. Into You're the conversations of how correct. much money and these is days, involved with the big pharmaceutical companies on that. Yeah, what's your thought on that? Oh, absolutely. I think you are absolutely correct, and it is absolutely a dimension of the problem I'm talking about. Another one you hear about is how young girls, years before they're sexually active, being put on birth control pills to, quote, unquote, regulate their hormones. Mm -hmm. Well, nature has been regulating our hormones for hundreds of thousands of years. So absolutely, what you're saying, and, and, and we need to be very adult about this. There are billions of dollars being made on this. These things are crazy. And what you just said about the kids in foster care, that is societal child abuse. That is societally sanctioned child abuse. Putting a child on pharmaceuticals because, quote-unquote, they are considered at risk. They haven't even done anything yet. Uh, that's, that's societally sanctioned child abuse. So thank you for bringing it up. You're absolutely correct. Well, all we have to and do is really... this is the conversation really, we need to be having. Yeah, all we really need to do is just be aware and recognize. I mean, I'm sure everybody can look, just step out your door, you know, look at each corner, there's a drugstore, you know, before it was a coffee house, you know, there was Starbucks in every corner, but now you're seeing more drugstores in every corner. Well, this, of course, is not to, uh, not to denigrate the, the miracles of, of, of medical science and bio, <clears throat> biomedical research and such, but with some of these psychological issues, you know, it's like take depression. Depression is, there's no blood test for depression. This is a questionnaire. Mm-hmm. And if you look mm-hmm. at the questionnaire, you can look up the questionnaire for depression, and any of us could say, well, I've had some of those symptoms. I mean, that's, 
like I said, there's a normal spectrum of human suffering. And if you take a, um, a pill like Abilify, you see it on television all the time. Maybe your, your first, your primary antidepressant isn't working and you need a second one. Abilify is an antipsychotic drug. So what's happening today is that people who don't even have a serious mental illness like bipolar, which is also being diagnosed way too easily and, and casually, but there are obviously serious mental illnesses. Mm-hmm. It's important not to stigmatize that, but it's important not to pathologize normal human suffering. So you have people who do not have serious mental illness who are not only being given medication, they are being given in some cases antipsychotic drugs. That's what's well, psychotic. Mm-hmm. Huh. Well, what would you recommend? Like I said, there's, there is a place and a need. I think we need to be aware when those serious <clears throat> mental illnesses need medication. But what are some modalities that we can address to use for some of these concerns that, like you said, well, we all go we through stress or depression? The, the first thing we need to do is exactly what you and I are doing, having the conversation. Mm-hmm. We, and so that we are all saying, what's going on here? What the hell is going on here? Why are we giving these foster kids pharmaceuticals when they haven't even done anything? Why are some school systems giving, giving Ritalin to these little ones who just inca- because they think they'll be at risk for acting out? This is mm-hmm. particularly bad for little boys because little boys run around. Little boys right. have a bunch <laughs> yeah. of testosterone. We, we have even school systems that are seeing these children as problematical and seeing them as having behavioral disorders who are being kids. How about parenting? How about society really addressing the deeper needs? How about addressing how much sugar so many of these children have been given and so forth? So that's the first thing. We start having the conversation. Women like you and me start stopping this easy acquiescence. We have this false reverence for, you know, I thought years and years ago we stopped doing something just because the doctor said so. So we need to, like, wake up. And when you hear about somebody who said, you know, they, they, the school says I should put my kids on medication, you know, that you would say to your friend, why? Have you really investigated this? Have you researched what the medicine is? Who is the parent here? So that's the first thing that we and, – and also I, I do want to say this. If there's anybody listening who is on meds, who's, who's, whose mind might be a little expanded around this, getting off them must only be done under medical supervision. These are addictive drugs, and just like the conversation here is that we need to be far more sober and reflective about getting on them, you also have to be deeply sober and reflective about getting off them. So I do want to say that don't, don't, no matter what, if you're on Antidepressants, don't just throw them in the toilet or the trash can. That's extremely, extremely important. The other thing you asked about is what is, what is the answer? What is the solution? Well, in the book, you know, as I said to you earlier, you can't hold a grudge or a resentment. Uh, you can't withhold forgiveness and be happy. You can't uh, see yourself as a victim and be happy. And that's what a spiritual journey is. It's a journey inside ourselves. The conscious, sometimes painful surrender of our thoughts that cause unhappiness. I can have a grievance or I can have a miracle. I can have have both. If I'm constantly focused Mm -hmm. on what you did to me, and I won't give it up, what you did to me, then the way consciousness operates is if I focus on what you did me, how you did me wrong, and I don't at some point process that and surrender that in order to move on, I will remain at the effect. My experience will be that I remain at the effect of what you did to me. That's why the book has a chapter on forgiveness. It has a chapter on relationships. 
it has a chapter on Buddhist principle. It has a chapter on the, the spiritual messages of the, of the story of Exodus in the Bible. It has a chapter on Jesus. Because the great spiritual trans, transmissions, they all acknowledge human suffering. Buddha said mm-hmm. life is suffering. God sent Moses to, to help the Israelites because they were suffering as slaves in Egypt. Jesus suffered, suffered on the on cross. The cross. The issue of suffering is at the, is at the core of all the great religious teachings, but the point is that Buddha then became enlightened. The Israelites then were delivered to the promised land. Jesus then resurrected. So there is rich, rich material in the great spiritual metaphysical principles that are the true antidote because they are healing of the, they're the healing of the mind away from the mindset, which is painful to a mindset that sets us free and and allows us true happiness and joy. Now, in your book, you also mentioned that it's important to highlight some of those dark corners that we have so that we can be able to transcend towards a position of healing. But if somebody, you know, in a practical sense, if somebody's already in a terrified moment of depression or loneliness, how would they go about exposing, you know, facing fear, you know, head on? How would they do that in a practical okay, let's, let's, manner? Let's take specifically what you just said. You, what you just said is what if, if someone is in a terrifying moment of depression or loneliness? So let's, let's deconstruct those. Which one do you want to start with, loneliness or terrifying moment of depression? Let's do loneliness. Okay. So if I am lonely, um, and, and I've been lonely, I think, who, first of all, who among us has not been lonely? But the, the issue is, to look within ourselves, where are the walls that I build that separate me from other people? Because there's life everywhere. There are people mm-hmm. everywhere. How are the ways that I wall myself off? You know, one of the things that I find in my life <clears throat> is I, somebody told me the other day that Michael Beckwith has a term, blisciplines. Um, you can develop the habit patterns, the, the mental and emotional habit patterns of extending your hand beyond the wall that would separate you from others. Did you say hello? Were you kind? Did you reach out to the person who, who sold you, you know, Kleenex today? Mm-hmm. Were you, did you actually strike up a little conversation with the person next to you in line at the Department of Motor Vehicles? Did you, were you nice to the bank teller? I mean, there are so many ways in which we wall ourselves off and then we complain that we're lonely. So even though we do all go through lonely times, it, the Course in Miracles says only what you are not giving can be lacking in any situation. And when you look at your life, where can I extend myself? Where can I extend myself to be of use, to be of service, to be involved? Where can I extend myself to participate? When you, when you see your loneliness as your problem that then for, that you need, you know, is your disease, it's not your disease. It's a dis-ease. Mm-hmm. But it's not, I remember a therapist once saying to me, you know, Marianne, if you had a physical disease, I could maybe just prescribe you medicine, but it's an emotional dis-ease. You're going to have to work with me on this. You know, we have to take responsibility responsibility. Response, right. Now, when you talk about terrifying moments of depression, and I've had terrifying moments of depression, first thing we want to do is get rid of this idea that the antidepressant will necessarily keep you from doing, from hurting yourself. Um, 
there is no statistical evidence of this, and there is some very serious, legitimate, valid questioning going on about the role of antidepressants in suicides in certain cases, particularly since the FDA has warned that 25 years and younger, it increases rather than decreases suicidal ideation. But sometimes the pain and the depression is facing our part in our own disasters. Or sometimes, let's say I'm deeply depressed and about a relationship. There was a painful divorce. Well, you know, I've lived enough. I've had enough of my own relationships. I've worked with enough people in relationships to know it's rarely just one person's issue. So I had a breakup where for the first three months, all I could focus on was how it had been his issues. It's about the fourth month, my mind, I was able to work through the barriers to my realization of my part. Yeah, he he had been this and that, but you know what? I had been this or that. So while I was talking to my therapist, probably, about (laughs) how he wouldn't communicate or he wouldn't show up or he wasn't available, he was probably talking to his therapist about how, my God, that woman wouldn't let me breathe. You know, this is what's painful is having to face, right? We're, we're going on and on. This person is narcissistic. They're talking to their therapist about how we are. You know, the ego mind doesn't want us to look at these things. And when we do take on the journey of self-realization, self-realization means you're going to realize yourself. And some of what you're going to see isn't going to be fun. But that's how we grow. Right. That's how we learn. You know, but forgiveness you know, starts with was, us, right? I mean, it starts with us before we can extend. Absolutely. It's, it's when I was else. young, I would go through these disasters in my life because I didn't take life seriously. I didn't take other people's feelings seriously enough. I didn't take love seriously enough. I was too casual with life. Well, how would I have learned to be more responsible? How would I have learned to be more deeply, emotionally sober? How would I have learned to be to, to be more ethically centered in how I behaved except by going through the pain of having bottomed out and crashed into walls and having to face the fact that I'd hurt myself and I'd hurt other people. That pain, that depression was extremely important. And if I had not gone through those hard times, um, I, I wouldn't have processed through it. And I, most importantly, I would have continued to reenact these situations in one way or the other because I wouldn't have broken out of the thought patterns that produced them. Let's hold that thought and we'll talk more about forgiveness after these messages. Joy's Gift is a 501c3 nonprofit that empowers women and youth to transition from tragedy to triumph, from loss or sexual abuse. Our program emphasizes a foundation of developing true self mastery of independence. Our services provide a support system and infrastructure of wraparound resources for services focused on mental, emotional, and spiritual healing. Restore someone's hope, love, peace and help them develop self-mastery of independence by sharing your gifts with Joy's Gift at www.joysgift.org. That's joysgift.org. Do you have adversity or challenges in your life weighing you down? Are you sick and tired of feeling depressed, down, and just plain unhappy? Get yourself out of this rut. Take action. Break through the barriers in your life and gain the confidence that you deserve by downloading the free ebook You Are Not Alone at MyJoyAgain.com. This book will help you to create your own blueprint to rise above life's challenges and discover the power inside you. Start smiling again. Enjoy life. 
and feel empowered that you can face anything that is in front of you. Visit MyJoyAgain.com for the free ebook or text to 38470. The keyword, joy. You are tuned into You Are Not Alone. To reach April Joy Ford or her guest on today's program, you may call into 1-888-346-9141. Again, that's 1-888-346-9141. If you'd rather send April an email, her email address is Ford at joysofyah.com. Now, back to You Are Not Alone, How to Rise Above Life's Challenges. You've been listening to You Are Not Alone, How to Rise Above Life Challenges. Our episode this week is Tears to Triumph with Marian Williamson. Now, Marian, tell us, let's talk a little bit deeper about forgiveness. I think a lot of people have a misconception on what forgiveness is, and that's why they have a challenge of extending forgiveness. Well, you know, I'm a student of A Course in Miracles, and in A Course in Miracles, it presents us with a definition of forgiveness, which is very different than its traditional usage. Traditionally, we think of forgiveness this way. You were a jerk. You did something terrible, but I'm spiritual, so I forgive you, which is really, actually, I'm still judging you. So it's not real forgiveness from a metaphysical perspective. Mm -hmm. Forgiveness, true forgiveness means I am willing to focus on what you did right and not to keep my focus on what you did wrong. I am willing to extend my perception to your eternal spiritual innocence rather than the mistake that you made. Now, the idea here is that, as The Course in Miracles says, an idea does not leave its source. So if I'm focused on your guilt, I'm not going to be able to escape a focus on my own guilt. Whatever I focus on in you, I'm going to experience within myself. Mm -hmm. Now, sometimes this is as simple as, oh, lighten up. You know, I was in a situation once where I got very upset with someone, and that person left the room, and my best friend was there, and he looked at me, and he looked at me, there was horror on his face, and he went, Mary Ann, he made a mistake. My friend looked at me like, what are you doing? He made a mistake. Have you never made a mistake? So forgiveness. So he was your mirror. Pardon? He was your mirror to kind of. Yeah. Yeah. In other words, forgiveness, I was just, you did this and you did that. I mean, I didn't say it that way, but I wouldn't get off it. And, you know, we have to practice some mercy. Mercy is a powerful word. Mercy, God doesn't treat our mistakes as sins to be punished. The ego mind is the is punishing you for it. God is that which delivers you from it, not by sending you to hell after you die. The hell is the anxiety and depression we feel because we did it. It's the ego mind that sends us to, the, to hell, and it's God that delivers us from it by realizing it was a mistake you made. Atone for the mistake, make amends for the mistake, and be better now. And the more you, you do this with other people, have mercy on other people. When I have mercy on other people, it's much easier for me to then have mercy on myself. Yeah. So, Marianne, you I made think, a mistake. Yeah. Try I to clean it up I'll... and do better. And we want to become people who are a space of magnanimity, where you allow people to change. You know, all of us make mistakes sometimes. And when I've made my biggest mistakes, 
I did not wake up in the morning that day and go, I think I will be a jerk today. That's my goal, to be a jerk today. No, when I made my biggest mistakes, I was triggered by some childhood wound. I was at the effect of my own woundedness. I got terrifyingly confused. And if I would look at that in myself, then I, why shouldn't I realize that's the same in other people? And once you realize that relationships themselves are spiritual assignments, where we are brought to each other in our woundedness in order to heal, mm-hmm. then we know that's why issues come up in relationships. But <clears throat> this is not a reason to leave each other. Because if we practice mercy and compassion and non-judgment, then we, you know, if somebody is, 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 is just attacking me for my mistakes, I don't grow. But if someone certainly might hold me accountable, but in a kind and meaningful way, then I, I, I have the... I have the space to own it, to get it, and to apologize and to try to change. And wow. so that's what forgiveness allows us. It, it frees us all from the cross of condemnation. Yeah. And we can go on to a, a separate so, show segment on that topic on what you just brought up on relationships being a spiritual assignment because there is a purpose <clears throat> for who we cross paths paths with, whether it's a, a casual encounter or family, our loved ones or our spouses and who we're, you know, married to. Absolutely. And that's why there is a chapter in my book about relationships, because so many of us, I mean, on a certain level, the Course in Miracles says every situation is a relationship. And so much of the pain, so much of the depression, so much of the sorrow is about things that happened in relationships. Uh, whether it's relationship to other people, relationship to ourselves, relationship to a career, and learning that none of this is random, and all of this is part of the curriculum, of the journey of the soul. This is the way we start to make sense of things, and only when we can make sense of things can we grow in wisdom <clears throat> and begin to live in ways that don't produce this anxiety and depression all the time. Which brings me to my next question and topic on some of your um, past works on love. I mean, could this really be a bold dose of forgiveness and love to um, help us with our healing? Could it just be that simple? It is that simple. To say that something simple does not mean that it's easy, but Mm -hmm. it is Mm -hmm. that simple. You know, when when people go into therapy today and they say, I'm depressed, most therapists, although hopefully more as we, as we all become more enlightened in our understanding, the first thing that the therapist should ask is, can we talk about who you're not forgiving? Mm-hmm. <laughs> we don't usually get asked that question. <laughs> you know, it's so funny. We, we go into a, uh, most support groups or therapy sessions or whatever today, and we're, we're commonly asked, is this relationship giving you all that you need? Is this relationship meeting your needs? Rather than a therapist asking, are you giving to this relationship everything that you have? It's very sly. Mm. We are constantly trained to think basically selfish thoughts, self-centered thoughts, and you can't be happy when you're only thinking in terms of what you're not getting rather than what you're not giving. And so, yes, where am I not giving love? Where are my barriers to love? Where am I not forgiving? Those are the, the, the mental thought patterns that journey, that, that provide the journey to inner peace. How would you and best so, describe love, Marianne? I'm sorry, what would you say? 
how how would you best describe love since each of us have their own gauge or perception of love we all grew up in different yeah. families and backgrounds I don't know. everybody what has a is. different definite no no yeah. everybody has a different definition but everybody has the same experience you know the course in miracles says this course does not aim at teaching the meaning of love for that is beyond what can be taught words are at best but symbols but you and i know when we feel loved you know when you're holding a baby in your arms you know what love is when you're in love with someone and they're holding you or you're at the deathbed of a, someone that you love. Um, you can't put a name on it or a word on it, but people can feel it when they're in a room full of it. We don't have to identify the meaning of love, but what we do have to identify are the barriers that we hold against its coming, such as my anger, my harshness, the fact that I'm critical, the fact that I judge people, the fact that I try to control people, the fact that I'm needy. These are the things we have to look at because when you realize my harshness, my anger, my controlling nature, my being judgmental, my being critical keeps love at bay. You meet people all the time. The problem is not that you didn't meet people. The problem is you repel people. The problem is not (laughs) that you didn't have opportunities in life. The problem is that you blew those opportunities. So what needs to be identified are the things we do. Once again, not that we're bad, it's because we're wounded, because we all had childhood and we developed these patterns, but we're unconscious of them. And that's why sometimes it's these very painful periods in life where these, these things become conscious. That's why Carl Jung said the journey is not about just devoting yourself to images of light, but making the darkness conscious. Mm-hmm. And it's painful to look at, but it's also how we grow because we go, I'm going to move out of this experience and be different next time. Yeah. And another barrier to growth is one of the key words you said, you really can't put love in, in a context of a word or a sentence. It's something that you inherently know because your being knows what it feels like, but it, in society, it is what you desensitize. Are, are we de- desensitized from our feelings? Of course we are. We are a culture of distractedness. I mean, you wake up in the morning, and our entire society is a blanket of distraction. And now this whole issue of the pharmaceuticals, et cetera, is we're trying to numb ourselves from Mm -hmm. our feelings. So this idea of an emotional flatline, and as we've discussed, if if you numb yourself to your pain, you're also numbing yourself to your capacity for joy. Mm-hmm. And if you desensitize yourself to your own pain, you're going to be desensitizing yourself to the pain of others. All that will do is create more pain down the road. Alrighty, let's go ahead and take our last commercial break and more with Marianne after these messages. Do you have adversity or challenges in your life weighing you down? Are you sick and tired of feeling depressed, down, and just plain unhappy? Get yourself out of this rut. Take action. Break through the barriers in your life and gain the confidence that you deserve by downloading the free ebook, You Are Not Alone, at MyJoyAgain.com. This book will help you to create your own blueprint to rise above life's challenges and discover the power inside you. Start smiling again. Enjoy life and feel empowered that you can face anything that is in front of you. Visit myjoyagain.com for the free ebook or text to 38470. The keyword joy. 
Joy's Gift is a 501c3 nonprofit that empowers women and youth to transition from tragedy to triumph, from loss or sexual abuse. Our program emphasizes a foundation of developing true self-mastery of independence. Our services provide a support system and infrastructure of wraparound resources for services focused on mental, emotional, and spiritual healing. Restore someone's hope, love, peace, and help them develop self-mastery of independence by sharing your gifts with Joy's Gift at www.joysgift.org. That's joysgift.org. You are tuned into You Are Not Alone. To reach April Joy Ford or her guest on today's program, you may call into 1-888-346-9141. Again, that's 1-888-346-9141. If you'd rather send April an email, her email address is Ford at joysofyah.com. Now, back to You Are Not Alone, How to Rise Above Life's Challenges. Alrighty, we're continuing our conversation with Marianne Williamson today on her latest release, Tears to Triumph. Marianne, you know what? I have found that there are really beauty. You know, I call it the beauty in the boulders of adversity. And we get to discover our true authentic self. But I think the secret is really the key word of how. You know, how we choose to respond to rise above life's challenges. What do you think the difference is from those that rise above life's challenges that gives us the capacity to love? It gives us the capacity to forgive. It gives us the capacity to show mercy on others versus those who stay in those uh, darkness. Well, first of all, I think is the realization that the entire mental mindset of the planet is based on fear rather than love. And what is necessary is a real mass spiritual awakening to the notion that love is who we are and to love each other is the purpose of our lives. Now, to make this transition, however, is just like you do physical exercise, you have to train your muscles. We do spiritual exercise to train our attitudinal muscles. You have to actually go to the gym. You have to actually pick up those weights. The same with spiritual exercise. So meditation more than anything. Meditation and prayer and a serious spiritual path. We have a lot of what I call share graphic spirituality these days. It's more than just a a, a pretty quote uh, on the Internet. (laughs) Look, sometimes I'm grateful because I see that those quotes are mine, so I'm not putting down those share graphics. All I'm saying is that The deeper work is where you meditate in the morning, um, particularly in the morning because your mind is most open to new impressions. You know, people wake up, you take a shower, you brush your teeth, because you're not going to take yesterday's dirt uh, with you into the day. But if you don't meditate, you don't pray, you don't spend time with your own, however you define God as you understand Him, recalibrate your internal energy, send love to everyone you're going to see today, the people you know you're going to see, and the people you don't know you're going to see. Send love to your employees, send love to your employers, send love to your colleagues, send love to your associates, send love to all the political candidates, not just the ones you support. Send love to to the world before you. Ask God to use you as an instrument of love today. 
These are the things that set, this is the highest intention. You know, people talk about intention, the power of intention. But you know, Buddha talked about right intention and wrong intention. Life is not just about having an intention. Adolf Hitler had an intention. Mm-hmm. Life is n- not just about manifesting what you want to make happen. Adolf Hitler manifested what he wanted to have happen. The spiritual mountaintop is where you intend good, you intend beautiful, you intend love. And this, and if some people listening right now say, boy, I know the path that takes me there. That's what all the great and religious and spiritual traditions are. And some of them are spoken in secular terms. Some people listening are thinking, I'm doing that. Some people are listening and thinking, wow, I really do need to pick up that book again. And other mm-hmm. people don't know what your path would be. But, you know, if you say a little silent prayer in your heart, books will fall at your feet. So I think that without that, without meditation, without prayer, without really doing that internal work of sending love, surrendering your judgments, if you're about to go into a meeting and you know you have a judgment of someone in that room, you know, subconsciously everybody knows everything. People can feel your energy. So before you even go into the room, dear God, I feel this criticism, I feel this judgment, I surrender this to you. Mm -hmm. I went into a meeting uh, once and I had a lot of judgment about it. And then I ended up some things happened that weren't cool. And I had to look back in, at that and go, Marianne, let's, let's be real here. You walked in with judgment. And so that judgment turned into some energy that was not, was not cool. People read that. People could feel it, you know, subconsciously, because all minds are joined. This, so this is the inner work, and it, mm-hmm. and it does work. It's like, it's like uh, extra physical exercise. If you do it, it does work. Yeah. And you brought awareness upon yourself and were able to take that responsibility of recognizing, oh, how was my energy or what were my intentions walking into the room or to the meeting that resulted in that outcome? I did not send my love before me. I didn't. You send your love before you because you, you set the attitudinal ground. But it's very, you know, we all attempted, we all lose sight sometimes and that's and it's like with physical exercise you never get to stop (laughs) same with spiritual exercise you think you're doing so good you know like when that happened you know i I was busted and it was like oh you know marianne williamson you know i always say my life works really (laughs) well when i practice what i preach but that day i didn't and i paid the i paid the price Okay. And last two things before we close, how would you describe religion and spirituality since we're talking about, you know, our spiritual exercise and routines of meditation and prayer and filling our words and minds with inspiration and on words? How would you describe those two? Well, there's exoteric religion and esoteric religion. Exoteric means the external. That's the dogma and the doctrine and the institutions and the organized religion. Many people have turned away from those things, but many people have also found that in in so doing, they threw away the baby with the bathwater. So people do long for the genuinely religious experience, meaning the internal experience of our reconnection with the divine source. So a lot of people are calling that spirituality today. But the problem we have now is a lot of people are talking spirituality and never get around to the word God. You know, they, they never get around to the, the idea of a higher power. And there is no mm-hmm. spirituality that does not include the, the notion and the experience of our connection with something bigger than we are. 
And so at the deepest level, spirituality and esoteric religion are the same thing, as is psychotherapy, by the way. It's all a healing of the mind to a deeper realization of who we are, where we come from, that we are not just here alone, that we are from a divine source, and that we are one through that divine source, and that our mission is to love each other. That's spirituality, and that's also true religion. All righty. So before we close out, um, I would like to extend a tsunami of gratitude on behalf of the Women's Book Project that I've been asked to lead, Journey to Success, with women sharing their inspirational stories and for you to add your inspirational <clears throat> note to the co-authors involved for that book project in the forward. Is there anything you would like to leave our listeners with on where can they find your latest book and when the release date is? Thank you. Thank you. Well, the book, the official release date is June 14th, but it's available now. People can go to Amazon.com. Um, uh, my website is Marianne.com, M-A-R-I-A-N-N-E. I do live streams, free live streams every Wednesday night. And on June 13th, I will be um, talking about the book, although people on this call, on this particular interview, thank you very much, already heard a lot about it. But go to Amazon.com. Uh, and I hope that the book um, expands your understanding um, of your own self and particularly the times in life when maybe you're not feeling so happy so that you can have a, a deeper recognition of the things that will take you back to it. And um, uh, that's, that's it. It's called Tears to Triumph, The Spiritual Journey from Suffering to Enlightenment. And if people go to Marianne.com, they'll see all the other online courses and books and all those kinds of things I've accumulated because I've been around for so long. <laughs> all righty, everybody. I'm April Joy Ford here in Voice America with You Are Not Alone. I share my story and this show so that others can share their stories and have their glory so others don't have to experience the extremities of what I face but would be able to take the fruit of my adversities and prosper with it. I give my permission to allow people to borrow my belief and faith. I give my love and light so others can illuminate theirs. I share my joys and blessings so others can share theirs and let others know you are not alone. And I'll see you guys next week. We appreciate your joining us this week for You Are Not Alone. Please tune in for another edition with host April Joy Ford next Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We can't wait to talk again next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.